You're listening to Life in the A-Zone podcast. I'm Peggy Sweeney McDonald, and these are my stories of moving back to my hometown in Louisiana after 36 years to live with my father and mother when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. These lessons of love, laughter, life, and loss are gifts of living in the A-Zone, and I'm honored to share them with you. If this is your first time here, begin the journey with Episode 1 and go forward. Thank you for joining me today. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Beep, beep is our new norm. We now have set the home security alarm, so if we walk in or out of the house, the annoying beep signals twice. Beep, beep. A constant reminder that mom has the big A. It's set to warn us that she could be walking away from home. Walking away or running away is the big question. I read about Alzheimer's patients walking out of their homes on an Alzheimer's Facebook support page and it is no surprise that it is now happening. However, once we set the alarm to the double beep, it confirmed that mom is getting worse. Here we go, down one more rung of the ladder, another step into the abyss. The light of day slipping farther away. Our recent status quo snuck away in the dead of night, and we didn't even notice it. Come back, please. I'm not ready for more change. I searched the internet for stages of Alzheimer's. I want to know what to expect and the signs. I don't believe mom is matching up with these steps. Are we on step three, step five? Well, what happened to step four? Oops, maybe we skipped a couple of steps and are on step six or seven. It's like the shoots and ladders game we played as a child, and I don't want to play. I'm standing with crossed arms, stomping my feet in defiance. We have a good day, and I think maybe she isn't so bad. Then the next day is awful, and we slide down the chute. Down we go and land abruptly on our butts. Ouch, that hurt. We shakily pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and carry on. We don't have a choice. What's the alternative? Get in the car and drive away, far away, back to California? I think about it often. The beaches, my neighborhood, our park, our condo, our courtyard, our old blue comfy sofa, our bedroom, Nats, our neighborhood diner, La Fagata, our hole-in-the-wall Mexican restaurant, our grocery store Ralph's, our friends, our life. Our stuff is still in storage in California. We thought it would only be a month or so before we would call the movers for delivery and move into our own place in Louisiana. Best laid plans. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's been two years with no call and no delivery. We have settled in for the long haul, for life in the A-Zone. Will we ever see our stuff again? I think about our artwork my books, my plates, my cookbooks, my bedspread, and more. All those things I packed up, wrapped in bubble wrap, and slipped into a box seem so trivial now. Some days they pop into my brain out of nowhere. I tell myself it's just stuff. 
we haven't needed it for this long, maybe we don't ever need it. The monthly charges on our bank card keep adding up. By this time, we could have bought brand new stuff. I see in the news there are fires all around Los Angeles, including the San Fernando Valley where our stuff is stored, and I wonder what would happen if the mover's storage facility burnt down. It's time to get our stuff here. What if it burns in the L.A. fires, I tell Jimmy in a panic. I know, we should, he mutters, but we do nothing. We don't have the energy to deal with it. Not now, not today, maybe next week, next month, (laughs) next year. I ask myself if I would feel relief or sadness if our stuff burnt in a fire. I think I would feel a little bit of both. Maybe when this is all over, we can start fresh. Just sell everything and move on. What do we need to exist after our life in the A-zone? Everything seems frivolous now. Our old life is so far away. Maybe I wouldn't like my stuff in my new world anyway. Will I even like me? Who will I be after our life in the A-zone? Who will Jimmy be? Who will we be as a couple? Who will my dad be? Who will my sisters be? Who will our family be? I try to understand Mom's motive for walking away. She's bored. She's frustrated. She's angry. She's sad. She's irritable. She's restless. She's confused. She's just done. She picks up her purse and walks out. She tells Dad after the fact that she was going to see her mom or Barbara, her friend who lives in Missouri, or various friends who live across town. Maybe my mother just can't stand living with us anymore. Is it too hard to see herself drifting away? Or is it too hard for her to watch our sad reactions of her slipping away? I hate you. You're the meanest man I've ever met. I want a divorce. I'm going to get an apartment with my mother she says almost daily to my poor father as she storms off to her bedroom. He is so hurt. I can see it in his eyes. I'm so sorry, Dad. You know she loves you. Forgive Mom. It's just the disease talking, I say, telling him the exact words that Jimmy says to me when I'm upset with her nastiness towards me. I know, you're right, Dad says, sighing deeply. There are so many times my mother has walked out of the house with her black purse in hand and nobody noticed until minutes later. We are the lucky ones, as some people lose their loved ones for hours or even days at a time. We live in that fear for now, but after the third walkout, we decided to set the beep-beep alarm. It works if Jimmy and I are at home, but when it's just Dad at home, it's not a fix. If Dad's hearing aids are not working, or if he's on a business call in his office, or blowing leaves on the deck, he doesn't hear the beep-beep alarm. Luckily, on those occasions, the neighbors have called him the minute they saw Mom walking down the street. Mr. Miles, she's on the move again, they tell Dad over the phone, and he runs frantically out of the house to find her. A few times he jumped in his van to fetch her as she was way far down the street. He pulled on the side of her and pleaded with her to get in the van. She refused and kept walking until she finally got tired and decided to climb in. Once she walked into the woods on the side of the street and just stood there. Dad kept talking to her and she finally walked to the car. 
Jimmy once jumped in the van with Dad when they discovered she had left. Nobody heard the alarm, and Dad did not see her down the street. They finally found her a quarter mile down the street. Jimmy jumped out of the van and started walking with her. Sherry, where are you going? I'm going to the mall. Sherry, it's too far for you to walk. It's very hot today. Let's go back to the house, and I will take you to the mall or anywhere else you want to go, Jimmy told her. Okay, but I'm not getting in the car with him, she said, giving my dad a nasty look. I understand, he said, and walked back to the house with her while my dad followed them in the van. Sit down and let me get you some water. Are you hungry, Sherry? Jimmy asked her. A little. He made turkey sandwiches for both of them. They sat down at the kitchen table and ate their sandwiches. How's your mom and dad? She asked him. They are fine. After she ate, she walked to her room for a nap, forgetting about the mall as easily as she forgot his parents were gone. When I arrived home that day, I found Mom and Dad watching the news. They seemed fine. Jimmy was outside smoking a cigar on the back deck, and he filled me in on the walkout. Thank you for being there for her today, and thanks for helping my dad, I said, hugging him. I need a long hug today, he said, as I tried to pull away. I know dealing with my mother brings up memories of his father who suffered from Alzheimer's for years. Don't you think it's weird that my mother has never walked out while I'm here at the house? I asked him. I don't know why, and I wish I could be here all the time, but it isn't possible since I'm now working a contract event job. I'm grateful as it gets me out of the house for a while and pays some bills, like the credit card, for our stuff. My sisters are afraid Mom will fall in the lake and drown or disappear into the woods. Each time it happens, Shannon begins campaigning to move her into a memory care facility. We know the time is coming, but Dad and I aren't ready. I don't think she's ready. Dad isn't ready, I say. They will never be ready, Peg. We have to do what's best for her. Plus, it's a huge strain on Dad, and I'm worried about him, Shannon says. The truth is, I'm not ready. How will we put Mom into an assisted living? I can't imagine that day. It seems like a nightmare. We visit local memory care units and one by one scratch them off the list. Too expensive and too depressing. We see women and men slumped over in wheelchairs. Please, my mom is not there yet. I hide the memory care brochures upstairs on a stool at the foot of my bed. A constant reminder that the end is near. The clock is ticking. Our housekeeper, Dana, who's an amazing friend to my mother, comes over to spend time with Mom every other week. She takes Mom to lunch and plans activities. She brings crafts, and they sit at the table painting and coloring. Mom adores Dana and is thrilled when she brings her adorable granddaughter, Parker, with her. One day, I come in and find them standing around the kitchen table playing jacks. Did you know my mother loved playing jacks? No, Parker picked them out at the Dollar Tree after we went to lunch today. I remember sitting on the floor in our kitchen as a kid with my mom teaching us how to flip the jacks in our palms, bounce the ball, and pick up the jacks. She was an expert jacks player while we clumsily tried to play, then stormed off frustrated. It's incredible mom can still play jacks. I jump in and try to play. 
We laugh as the ball bounces across the kitchen and Parker runs to find it. On one of Dana's visiting days, Dad and I sneak off to meet my sisters at a lunch and learn at Alzheimer's Services. The staff is wonderful, and they inform us of all the various resources available, including an Alzheimer's daycare called Charlie's Place in the building. They give us a tour after lunch, and we see Alzheimer's patients in various stages, having lunch, crafting, talking, and being entertained by an animated team member. This would be great for Mom, Shannon says. Dad and I agree, but getting her here is the dilemma. They suggest Dad should bring her for lunch the next Friday when they have a local musician scheduled to play the piano with the sing-along. Dad drives there, and Mom refuses to get out of the car. He argues with her, and finally she goes in with him. They see the musician, Jack, who they happen to know. Mom loves the music. She sings along and enjoys the lunch. She hugs the team members as they leave. We will see you soon, they tell Mom. This is so nice, she says. Dad signs her up for the following Monday. Where are we going, Mom asks when Dad drives her to Charlie's place. Charlie's place, Dad says. I'm not going there. It's nice, but not for me. I'll let you know when I want to go there. Discouraged, Dad takes her to lunch instead. How did it go, I asked him that afternoon. It didn't, he said, shaking his head and rolling his eyes. We reached out to a home care service, and the owner comes to the house to meet us. Mom likes him. He has a great personality and tells Mom he is the perfect woman who will come spend four hours with Mom and take her to lunch. Mom seems open to the idea. Joan, a lovely woman with a big personality, stops by the next day to meet Mom, and they hit it off. They sit and have coffee at the kitchen table. We schedule Joan for four hours the following day. She picks Mom up, and they go to lunch, then come back to the house and watch TV. She plans to come back the next week, but after she leaves, Mom tells Dad she doesn't need a babysitter. We cancel the next visit with the service. We are back to square one. We are hitting the wall. We are all exhausted. I'm now working part-time, so I can't be here every day. I try to work out of the house a couple of times a week, but it's too distracting. It's Monday, a typical red beans and rice dinner night in Louisiana. I fix mom tuna salad for lunch, and she sits watching me chop onions, celery, garlic, green onions, and bell peppers as I saute chopped ham and smoked sausage. I soak the beans in water overnight, and they're ready to cook. I throw everything in a big pot, the store-bought chicken stock, and lots of Creole seasoning, salt, and pepper. Soon, the house smells delicious. I fix a big green salad, and Mom goes to take a nap while I watch my beans simmer and work on my laptop in the kitchen. At 5.30, we all sit down for an early bird dinner, and all is well. The red beans and rice are delicious. Dad, Jimmy, and I inhale them, and Mom barely picks at hers. We serve her dinner now on a small plate. She can't handle big plates. It's too confusing, and it causes extreme anxiety. At the end of dinner, I bring Mom her pills in a small bowl. What's this for? It's your medicine, Sherry, Dad blurts out. Here, Mom, let me help you, I say as I try to hand her one pill at a time, holding a glass of water for her. She turns her face away. Not this again. You take them, she tells me. Sherry, take the pills, Dad demands. 
it escalates. And before you know it, she is screaming, dad is screaming, and I'm screaming all over a bunch of damn pills. I have to get out of here. I can't deal with this tonight. I tell Jimmy, grabbing my purse off the counter and storming out the door. I'm shaking. He grabs his keys and follows me. We jump into the car and pull out of the driveway. Let's go see a movie. I need a distraction, I say, crying as I pull out my phone and look at the film schedule. We can make a 7 p.m. movie. We're halfway there and my cell phone rings. It's Dad. Well, she did it this time. You need to come back, he yells into the phone. What happened, Dad? I panic and my heart goes to my toes. She walked out of the house telling me she's going to go tell the neighbors that I'm abusing her and going to have them call the police. We're turning around now, Dad. Where are you? I'm down the street. I followed her and she went up to the front door of a house and knocked on the door. Oh my God, Dad, what house? Jimmy, hurry, I scream. A house down the street. The people who live there opened the door and let her in. I'm just standing outside on the street. I guess the police will arrive at any moment to arrest me. This is horrible. Dad, that's ridiculous. Go knock on the door. We are on our way back. Mom ran away and went into some stranger's house. I text the sister's thread. OMG, Rob and I are on our way, Shannon texts back. A man is coming out of the house, walking towards me. Let me go talk to him, Dad says, and hangs up. Ten minutes later, we drive down the street, seeing Mom and Dad walking to our driveway. Dad is following her, and she walks up the driveway, around to the back door, and goes in. I jump out of the car and run in after her. Mom, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. I went to visit some friends, she says as she drops her purse off at the kitchen desk, walks to the living room, sits down in her spot on the green sofa, and starts watching The Voice. I follow her. Well... (laughs) Isn't that nice, Mom? Can I get you a glass of water? Sure. I head back to the kitchen to get a glass of water and look out the kitchen window to see Dad and Jimmy outside talking on the driveway as Shannon and Rob drive up. Shannon jumps out of her car and rushes into the house. I hand her the glass of water. Bring this to Mom in the living room while I go talk to Dad. She grabs the glass, rolls her eyes, shakes her head at me, and walks to the living room. Hi, Mom. Rob and I came to visit, she says as I walk out the back door. Rob is now standing with the guy, shaking his head as Dad tells him the story. I join them and interrupt him. Are you okay, Dad? Did the police come? No, she didn't tell him to call the police. She just knocked on the door. She was out of breath and asked if she could have a glass of water. She sat down on a chair and told them, He is following me. They looked out the window and saw me standing on the street. The homeowner, Larry, came to speak to me. I told him she has Alzheimer's, and he said he and his wife figured that out. His wife walked out with Mom, and she started walking home. She wouldn't look at me, so I just followed her. This is crazy, Dad. I'm so sorry we left you. I need a drink, Dad exclaims. Of course you do. I'll get it, Rob says. We file into the house, and Rob goes to the refrigerator, pulling out Dad's large bottle of Chardonnay on the refrigerator door. He opens it, and I pull out wine glasses for them. Shannon, do you want a glass of wine? I call out from the kitchen. Sure, she yells from the living room. I think I would rather have a whiskey, Dad tells Rob. Now you're talking, Doc, Rob says. Soon they have whiskey on the rocks and are going to the living room. Jimmy just shakes his head at me and starts cleaning the kitchen. How are you doing, Sherry? Rob asks as he leans down to kiss Mom on the cheek. I'm fine. I'm so glad y'all came to visit, she says, smiling at him.
Yes, this is a surprise, Dad says, and swigs his whiskey. Are y'all hungry? Do y'all want some red beans? I ask them. No, we just finished eating. Thanks, Shannon says. She talks to Mom about the kids. Rob and Dad talk as if it's just another friendly family visit. I can't sit still. I head to the kitchen to help Jimmy, and we clean in silence. I want to scream. This isn't happening, right? But it is happening, and it's just getting worse by the day. I walk out with Shannon and Rob as they're leaving after their short visit. Thank you for coming to help, I say, hugging her. It's time, Peg. It's only going to get worse, she tells me. I know. And we both shake our heads with tears in our eyes. I watch them drive away and turn to walk back into the house, then quickly turn back and walk down the path to the lake. I sit on a bench. The sun is going down and it is magnificent. The stillness of the lake with the colors of the sky reflecting on the water is a picture of serenity and the complete opposite of what I feel in my heart, my mind, my body, my soul. I'm all alone here, alone in my grief, my confusion and my anger. Why, God, why? I cry out loud. I cry for Mom, cry for Dad. I cry for my sisters and I cry for Jimmy. I cry for my family and I cry for me. I cry until there are no more tears. It's now twilight and the moon is over the lake. I receive no reply from God tonight. So I turn and walk away. Thank you for joining me for Life in the A-Zone. Look for new episodes each Wednesday. Please share, subscribe, like, comment, and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To join my mailing list, go to lifeinthea-zone.com and check out my best-selling book, Meanwhile, back at Cafe Dumont, Life Stories About Food, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble.